Today on the In All Kinds Weather Forecast, we have All-American baseball player Jack Caglione joins the In All Kinds Weather Forecast to talk about the upcoming season and what it means to be a Florida Gator in the baseball program. This is the In All Kinds Weather Forecast. Welcome in to another episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. We have All-American Gator star baseball player, Jack Caglione. Thanks for coming on tonight, Cags. It's, I know the fans are, have been, we've been teasing this to some of our fans. They're really excited to hear from you just before baseball season starts. So uh, how's it going? And good. thanks for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate y'all for having me. Um, you know, just doing the hustle bustle of uh, everyday practices and stuff like that. So Really just getting ready for the season coming up here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I bet the boys are probably really itching to get back on the diamond and 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 start uh, playing some games. And especially after the way things ended last season, they're they're probably pretty hungry to get back uh, going next Friday night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that really just kind of had a fuel to the fire um, for all of us just to get back to that point and, you know, change the outcome. Absolutely. Well, we, what we do with all of our guests when they come on here is we do have a lightning round and some of our listeners will probably know what that is. And we've kind of catered this one specifically to you just based on baseball and certain things in your career. So we'll go ahead and get started with that. And the first question we ask this of actually everybody, fans, athletes, we ask what their favorite Gator jersey color combo. Most of the time, this is sort of a football related question, but baseball kind of has really experimented with different ba- combinations for color. So what is your favorite color scheme for the baseball team? I really like the gray pinstripes that we wear on the road. Uh, those are probably my favorite. Um, at home, probably the white pins. Uh, those are my personal favorites. Uh, and we don't wear the black ones anymore, but the blacks were up there too. Fans, fans just love the all black uniforms, like across all sports. Like I know folks for football last year were excited. We finally did that. And basketball, I know, still does it. So I would agree. I'd love to see that come back for baseball, but can't go wrong with pinstripes. Those are the old classics. Oh, yeah. Well, so if you didn't play baseball, what would you see yourself doing after college? I think a lot of people expect you to be a high pick next year in the MLB draft. We expect you to have a great career in that aspect, but what is something if you weren't playing baseball that you'd love to do? Um, probably just kind of follow my dad's footsteps, go to law school, uh, become a lawyer and, you know, just make a living off that and enjoy myself probably in Tampa. He'd make a good lawyer. I have a feeling he'd make a good lawyer. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why well, I get that feeling, but I, I get that feeling from you. Well, probably a leader on the team. Lawyers tend to be leaders uh, kind of in the courtroom and whatnot. But I didn't really – I forgot the Tampa connection. I'm from Tampa myself. I live here. So that's cool. We'd love to certainly have you back here in Tampa, maybe playing for the Rays or something like that one day. But lawyer sounds like a pretty good career. Uh, All right. So what feels better? Like, Because obviously you're a two-way athlete when it comes to baseball. You can pitch, dominate on the mound, as well as at the plate. What is more gratifying when you just smash a 450 foot home run or when you just blow a fastball right by a hitter? Um, they're both really good options, honestly. I mean, I feel like even if you ask a pitcher those questions, everyone's going to say a home run. You know, there's no there's no other feeling like it. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can this gets the crowd a little riled up for a little bit longer. Like a strikeout is like kind of a in the moment thing. It lasts for about 10 to 20 seconds, but a home run, like you got around the bases and it just changes. Seems like it changes the momentum of a, of a game. And I think it definitely did at times last year, thinking back to some of those matchups we had. Mm-hmm. So what is your favorite moment as a Gator baseball player so far? Maybe that home run or, or something that's come up uh, in the last couple of years. Can you think of something that sticks out in your mind? I mean, if I could kind of encapsulate like all of last year, um, really just the group of guys that we had and like uh, the love and care that we had for each other was really like no other. Um, it was hands down the best group that I ever played with. Um you know, on and off the field, they're just great guys and everybody really just wants to win. They want to compete. And, you know, they're looking out for the people to the left and right of them in that dugout. Um, and I think, you know, having that type of group last year is only going to help us, you know, this year and kind of build off of that. Um, but yeah, I'd say really just all of last year, you know, personal success aside, just being around those guys and being able to watch them play and do their thing and do what we did was probably my favorite. Yeah, and and kind of off that now, last question of the lightning round. Can you think of uh, somebody like a moment that one of your teammates may have done that's kind of sticks out in your mind that they were responsible for, especially on the run last year that we had? I mean, probably BT's homer in uh, Hoover last year was probably the coolest thing ever. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like that. Yeah, that was that was pretty memorable because like there was a lot of back and forth between the Alabama dugout, the Florida dugout. And just that was like the ultimate just checkmate moment when he hit that 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 grand slam to just ice the game. I mean, there yeah. it was a pretty cool moment. I agree with that. Well, there, there were a right. lot of cool moments like that. I mean, that that's the thing that you touched on. There's just so much to remember about about that that team that run that you guys had and we'll talk about that a bit more um in a minute but i had a couple of generic just general college baseball questions before we get to the main part of our conversation and 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 as to the the chirping that was happening um between florida and alabama last year i'm i'm friends with hunter barco he went to bowls with my younger cousins and so he kind of he kind of let it slip that every single team is is jawing at you guys nonstop from their dugout. Like everyone wants to get in the Florida Gators' heads. It's some kind of little brother thing that everyone has. And I get it. Like sports are emotional by trade. And I totally understand benches trading insults if it's Florida Miami or Florida FSU or Florida LSU or Florida Georgia. I don't know that I quite understand it when it's like Georgia State or Jacksonville doing it. So two questions on this. Uh, number one, are there any kind of unwritten rules to dug out trash talking and, and two, how do you balance the heat of the moment and, you know, trading these, these barbs with these opposing teams. And then, you know, all the emotions that come with it with staying true to your fundamentals. Cause like you can't try to throw a fastball 175 miles an hour. You can't try to, you know, pull the bat back extra far and try to like generate extra torque on the ball. Cause then you're going to mess up your timing and your fundamentals. So how do you balance the, the, the emotion and the X's and O's of, of what you do? I mean, they're really two separate things. Um, the biggest thing that we kind of pride ourselves in is, you know, what we're going to do on the field is going to speak louder than any of the chirps that we say. Um, you know, the chirps and everything, it makes it fun. It makes it exciting. Um, I'll tell you, it'd probably be a lot more boring without them. So, you know, we live for it. It's a lot of fun um, in the heat of the moment. But the biggest thing is just not get away from, you know, what's important. And that's just winning the game. Um 
and really just controlling what you can control. You know, you can't control what the other team's going to say. You can't control what some of the guys in our dugout are going to say. Um, but regardless of it, you know, everybody has their job. And as long as people are doing it to the best of their abilities, um, you know, it's it's not hard to get caught up in all that type of stuff. That's good to hear because, you know, again, everyone's trying to. Like when you have Georgia State and Jacksonville running their mouths at you, it can kind of get a little maybe surprising just because, like, why why are you guys doing this? You're Georgia State, you're Jacksonville. Now, again, if it's a rivalry like Georgia, which we'll talk about in a minute too, uh, it's a little different. But anyway, uh, on that on that topic of rivalries, one thing that I'm fascinated about with, with any baseball player I talk to is Florida FSU. Because growing up as a huge Gator football fan, Florida FSU rivalry, say for the end of the year, it's best on best, mono e mono, usually – or at least before uh, in the nineties and even like early two thousands, it was for a national, it was for national bragging rights. Um, you have your, your number one quarterback, you have your starters everywhere. You look it's best on best the way it's supposed to be. The 2023 game, I think was an exception where we had our backup quarterback, Max Brown. They had their backup quarterback Tate Rodemaker. And that is something that I think mirrors the Florida FSU baseball series in that on the weekdays, you don't get your best starting pitchers. You have your quote unquote midweek guys. Sometimes you have bullpen starts. Um, so it's different from every other sport in that you don't have your best on best, at least in the pitching department, obviously the lineups are the same, but the pitching, you don't get to see the best pitchers from them and they don't get to see the best pitchers from you. So and, and that's different from a lot of other in-state rivalries like Georgia, Georgia Tech play a weekend series in Athens, in Atlanta, in Lawrenceville, Clemson, South Carolina play a weekend series in one game in Columbia, one game in a different neutral field in Columbia, and then one in Clemson. So how do you feel about Florida FSU being a midweek series? Um, do you prefer it that way? Do you like that? Or do you or would you prefer it to be a weekend series? I think, you know, a weekend series would be a great idea. Um, just kind of having – like you said, like the best, your best with their best. Um, you know, the guys who throw for us on the midweeks could probably throw on the weekends at any other program, um, including ours. Uh, so, you know, they're still getting really good pitchers, you know, at the gates. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I could say the same about them, but um, that's just kind of who we are. You know, we got the depth. Um at the end of the day, it's still Florida State. You know, it's going to bring a big crowd. Uh, it's still a rivalry game. Um, like you said, the lineups are the same, so you get to see all the firepower um, on the offensive side of things. But, you know, a weekend series will be pretty cool. Um, when we go to Jacksonville, it's always a lot of fun. When we go to Tallahassee, it's uh, always a great time and a good environment. Um, and same for when they come to us and having everybody at Gator Nation come out. But it, it's it's a good idea. I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> I think I detected a little shot there. I think a little, little, little rivalry barb right there. I don't know if that's true for them. When you talked about their, their <laughs> midweek starters being able to throw for other teams in the country, I'm not sure uh, that that their guys could say the same thing. That's, that's a little subtle shot you tossed in there. I noticed that. Well, I don't – I mean, the, the results speak for themselves. We've dominated them on the diamond consistently over the last couple of years. So I, I think that there's a lot of truth behind that. We, we always seem to get their number no matter what. But – 
All right, Jack. So it's kind of transitioning a little bit into our conversation, talk about you a little bit more as an individual. Let's go back to the beginning, your recruitment process, why you chose to become a Florida Gator. What was that like and why ultimately did you make the decision to wear the orange and blue? Yeah, so um, I visited Florida uh, my freshman year uh, on an unofficial um, with Old McKeithen, kind of did the whole tour. Uh, they're basically telling me we're not really sure if we want to show you the whole field because by the time you get here, you know, it's going to be brand new. It's going to be in another spot. Um, but I went to Plant High School. Uh, they, you know, Pete Alonzo went through there, Preston Tucker, um, just a bunch of guys who, you know, have gone to my high school and kind of gone through Florida to get to the pros and stuff like that. Um, and once they offered on my sophomore year, it was kind of just one of those things. It was like a no brainer to me being two hours away from home, a great academic school. My parents could come and watch just about, you know, every game if they really wanted to. Um, and they, they produce, you know, they have, you know, very good track record of guys who make it to the league and they know what they're doing when it comes to development. And it's just really, really competitive baseball in the SEC. Um, you know, Coach O'Sullivan, Coach Rallman, uh, you know, they're just great people. And that's who I like to surround myself with. So it felt like a no brainer. Yeah. So, I mean, just a, a quick ad lib question here. I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking about this at the start, but now I have to ask um, the difference between the roles of Coach O'Sullivan and Coach Chuck DeRollman. How are they different in how they interact with you? Uh, how would you say that they go about getting the team prepared for success in, in their different ways? How sort of compare and contrast them? Yeah, you know, I mean, Soli is the type of guy, you know, he'll make sure that everybody has their head on straight. Um you know, he's just the type of guy you look to, you know, when things say they're going a little haywire, you always got to look at, you know, your head coach and he always keeps us in line. Um, you know, he's always there to offer his advice uh, through really anything you got going on or any questions that you may have. He's kind of always been that type of person. And, you know, Coach Drawman, um, he's just an all around great dude. Uh, he's helped me a lot, especially on like the recovery side of Tommy John coming back, like on the offensive side of things. Um, you know, spending a lot of hours just work on one-on-one -on -one with me. You know, I know he has a lot on his plate uh, with all the other position guys, but he's just been, you know, a very integral part of kind of getting me to where I'm at now. Um, yeah, and, you know, I can't really thank him enough for it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd, I've had the pleasure of, of meeting and talking with Coach Chuck Rollman. He definitely seemed like the kind of guy that – different than Sully in a lot of ways, but also – obviously sharing the same goal, getting you guys to be the best you can be. And I mean, as someone on the outside looking in, that's all we can really ask for when it comes to getting the Gators to be the best they can be. You just, you have the right guys to do it. And that's all we can really, really hope for. So um, a lot of, a lot of youth baseball players, like when you guys are, are little kids, you're dominating pretty much everyone you play. Like that's the story of, of every MLB player, every good college player, even they were always dominant as, as little boys. And then they get older. They're not so little anymore. The guys who seem to be the best athletes seem to at least at first be really, really dominant, both in the pitching and the hitting departments of obviously very different skills, but you see like in the little league world series, for example, there's a lot of stories of like the best pitchers also being the guys who can just rake that stops happening when they get older. You go to like 14, 15, 16 years old, it just starts becoming a lot less frequent. And 
it's hard because as you get older, <clears throat> your competition gets older too. They get older, they get stronger, and it becomes a little harder to be so dominant at both of these different aspects. Didn't happen with you. You stayed dominant at both. And here you are pitching in the SEC level. Here you are dominating at the play of the SEC level. So how how were you able to stay so strong at, at both of these very different skills um, in the game of baseball throughout your, your progression and your growth? Yeah, I mean, it all kind of goes to what goes on in the weight room. Um, Sean Burke's our strength coach, and he does a really good job of making sure that I'm staying on top of uh, really maintaining more so for the pitching side of things, uh, you know, not getting too big and becoming a little stiff or any of that type of stuff by any means. Um, but really just his program and what he kind of does, um, helping me out, especially when we're on the road and we go do our lifts at, you know, the opposing team's uh, gyms or whatnot. Um, he's always got something for me. Um, and that's kind of been the biggest help, um, especially to keep my body in the best shape, uh, to, I guess, perform, you know, on both sides of the baseball. Uh, and I think that's honestly probably the biggest thing. And kind of switching gears a little bit different in the pitching realm of things for those that aren't familiar, talk about your Tommy John you know, journey in that recovery process? How did it happen? How long does it truly take to recover from it? Because I think a lot of people, when they hear it, they just know that it is a long recovery time, but all the ins and outs to overcome it and then actually get back to the original form and where you were at. Yeah, so mine was a little different just because I got it like two weeks before we got to campus my freshman year. Um, so I was very fresh off of it. Um and it was just one of those things that, you know, at the time I was like, okay, well, I'm not even going to play my freshman year. How's, you know, college going to shake out? Because, um, you know, you have a bunch of buddies growing up in high school that you play with in summer ball teams who are really, really good and they get to college. And, you know, sometimes you don't really hear much about them anymore. You don't really, you know, see any articles or, you know, keep up with how they're doing because, you know, they're not really playing a whole lot. So there were a lot of like questions and a lot of um, not anxiety or fears, but it was just like, really just questions, you know, you didn't really know what it was going to entail. Um, and, you know, a lot of physical therapy, hours and hours a week of physical therapy, just strengthening my, my arm, making sure that, you know, it doesn't happen again and stuff like that. Um, but the biggest thing was really just kind of like the support staff uh, for me, uh, having the coaching staff here, having, you know, my parents, you know, they're all in my corner. They know that, you know, God has a plan, you know, all that he does, you know, it's all for a reason type of deal. Um, and I think buying into that was one of the tougher things to do just because it is a really long process. You know, I was out for, I think a little over 14 months in total, uh, throwing wise, uh, just because the timing of it, you know, it didn't really align with when freshman year were to end. I, there was just no chance of me, you know, making it on the mound. Um, but thankfully, you know, after the hitting progression and everything, and I was cleared to hit, uh, Sully was like, Hey, I'd like you to DH. And, you know, it was one of those things where you're sitting back and you're like, am I going to go over three? And I just burned my red shirt for one game or we're going to see how this goes. Um, but it was really just kind of like playing with house money and, you know, it all worked out for the best. And I just kind of took it and ran with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think the way you put it at the start was was a, a unique process. Definitely would agree with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you know, everything about your your journey so far has been unique. In 2023, 
was a unique team. It was a unique season, as you were talking about at the top. So before we look ahead to 2024, uh, one more quick look back at 2023. As you mentioned, tons of great moments. We'd be here for hours if we just went through all of them. So we're only going to go um, and ask you about two apiece. So four total. Number one, talked about it at the top a little bit. Rubber match, rivalry, Georgia Bulldogs. There is an umpire named Brian DeBrower. There is a pitcher named Brandon Neely. He gets a big strikeout. You're in the dugout. Just from your eyes, from your your vantage point, just relive that. What happens? What's it like to, to be watching that? And then take us through your ensuing at-bat. Yeah, well, I didn't even see, you know, the umpire toss Neely. I, you know, was running out the tunnel, ready to high-five him after making a big pitch in a big situation. Um you know, you're taught to have emotion in this game. You know, you're supposed to get fired up when you make a big pitch. It's just a part of it. Um, so that whole situation was just, I think, taken to a new level. You know, throwing him out for that was kind of extreme, in my opinion. He didn't, you know, you look at the replays, it's not like he used any foul language or anything. He just made a big pitch and he was real excited about it in a in a close game against a rival. So um, yeah, it was just one of those things you're like, okay. So now, you know, we can't do anything to jeopardize anybody else getting thrown out. So, you know, leading up to the A-B, you know, I'm obviously not up there thinking I'm going to hit a home run or, you know, hit a grand slam or anything like that. I was just, you know, let's just score some runs for the team. Um, and luckily, you know, I get that ball out to left field. And it was honestly like as I was rounding third, I was like, what can I do to kind of capitalize on this moment here? Uh, and it just kind of hit me and – you know, then all, you know, that all took off. So, yeah. It was, it was priceless. I'll say that watching that, I was watching that on TV. I was like, you know, that's, that's, that's a perfect response to that. And then just, you know, it's all you can do sometimes in that kind of a situation. But I was there. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. Chef's kiss. That was just glorious. It was yeah, it was something that I didn't expect to really kind of get the buzz and publicity that it did. But, you know, looking back at it, it's going to be something I'll laugh about, you know, in 10, 15 years. So. Do you I, think I that think, he saw it? Do you think that Brian DeBrower saw you do that? I think he did because he had to watch me stuff on home. So I'm sure <laughs> he was watching the rest of it. True. Well, I think that was just – that just is like encapsulates the swagger I think you guys had as a team that made you fun to watch. Because, I mean, we've had a lot – obviously, baseball has had a lot of great teams over the years. But you guys, there was just something about it. Like that moment right there, just that – in that moment, you just thought of that. And then you obviously made a big play too. Just the swagger I think is what made us – like Neil and I as fans just loved watching you guys for that. Uh, but looking back too, like at a moment, fast forward, you guys are in the regionals. You're the number two overall seed. So obviously the expectation is you're not only going to get to Omaha, but you're going to make a run in Omaha, but you're in trouble by losing the first regional game to Texas Tech. So you're automatically, you're, you know, it's either one and or two and out possibly. So talk about what the mentality of the team was in that moment to kind of switch gears and say, all right, we got to win these games now against Tech to be able to get out of the regional and get back to achieving our goals. Yeah. So it was like, you know, we beat FAMU. Um, on Friday, and then we lose to AM in a close one. Um, honestly, none of us were even panicked about it. You know, our team, we were very confident in one another and all of our abilities. It was, it was kind of weird, you know, because my freshman year with uh, Oklahoma, um, you know, we lost basically like the same way that we did to Tech. You know, we lose the second game 
uh, after winning the first one. And everyone's like, all right, we need to like tighten it up. We need to do all this and that, you know, last year's team was like, you know, all right, watch this. And I like, like you said, we go out there, we beat tech. Um, and it was just kind of one of those things where not one person was really worried about it, um, which was kind of, it was very, you know, just peaceful to know that, you know, this team had that swagger to it um, and had that confidence in one another to just kind of be like, oh, okay, we lost one. I was like, well, it ain't going to happen again. You know, no one even had to say anything. We knew that, you know, the regional wasn't the end for us. Uh, we just had way too much talent and way too much uh, confidence in one another. So. so that's interesting. So there there was no panic, whereas in 22, when you lose that first game to to Oklahoma in, in the 1-0 game, then you have to fight your way back to the regional final. It's tighten up. All right, we need to do things differently. There's no like change of mindset. It's like business as usual for you guys. When you had lost in the regional in Gainesville two years in a row, there's no thought about it happening again. There's no thought that it's possible that you're going to get bounced the third time. It's just, okay, whatever. That's very, very interesting. And obviously it worked. It got you guys through the regional. You did beat Texas Tech. You did get over that hump. Some big time bounce back performances. Ryan Slater, obviously all the respect in the world for him going out there and, and getting us that dub. Cade Fisher, um, Brandon Neely obviously helped us um, get through that round. And then you get another rematch with South Carolina, who beat you beat you guys up in, in Columbia. Sweep, it wasn't pretty. Um, games kind of got away from you. But you get your rematch, you get your second chance at them. And it goes a little bit differently. Um, and for me, that was the highlight of the season because, first of all, living in Charleston, I have to deal with them all the time. So that that was great on that aspect. Secondly, it shows that you guys are able to reverse the script without even thinking about it, as you were just talking about. And going back to the to the chirping aspect, I mean, they're 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 loud. Like Braylon Wimmer doing the Gator Chomp, Ethan Petrie's waving goodbye. Uh, like Chris Veach, the their pitcher is turning to Michael Robertson after the strikeout. It's like one, two, three, just like in his face nothing gets to you guys. There's no like emotional letdown or, or overreaction. It's just like you said, business as usual, baseball is baseball. You guys get your payback. So how does that feel to first get the ultimate payback and not only get revenge to end their season, but send yourselves to Omaha with that super regional sweep. How did that all feel for you guys? Oh, I mean, it was like surreal, you know, it's really why you play at Florida. Um, the biggest thing is, you want to go to Omaha, you want to make it far in the playoffs, and obviously you want to win a national championship. Um, getting the kind of revenge that we did on South Carolina was great. Um, you know, they were obviously a really good team uh, in the regular season, uh, in the playoffs as well. But, you know, when you have guys like Brandon Sprout and Hurston Waldrop going out there and doing exactly what they did last year, it was pretty safe to say, you know, especially being at home, uh, rather than Columbia, it's just one of those things like, oh, you know, we got this. Um, the matchup, of course, you know, leading into it, you're like, okay, South Carolina again. We're not letting this happen again. It's like there's no way that they're going to come to us and that we're going to let them do what they did to us there. Um, That's kind of the whole mantra going into it. Um, and, you know, two and out, oh, two barbecue for them. So, you know, <laughs> Well, Carolina barbecue is good. Before we go on to Chris's next question, does this look familiar to you? Which one's that? The ball that Cade Curlin caught to send oh. you guys back to Omaha. Really? Yep. They gave it to me. 
Oh, sweet. I don't, I don't know why they, they chose me. I mean, I'm, I'm friendly with some of the players, but I mean, that, that's, that's pretty cool piece of history right here. This is, you can see the kind of the scuff mark where the ball was hit. Um, yeah. I mean, NCAA official at ball championship right there. So a little Pete skater history right there. Sweet. All right. So history's made there. That means you guys are going to Omaha for the first time since 2018. And there have been a bit a while since Florida. I mean, Florida went on a run of consistently making it to Omaha in the 2010s. And then it just seemed like we got close a few times, certainly had that team uh, during the year of COVID that probably definitely would have made it. Uh, but finally, you guys get over the hump. You get to Omaha. Talk about that experience and and just kind of what it meant to get there and, and then get all the way to the national championship game and and maybe fill in some of your favorite memories from that trip. Yeah, I mean, Omaha was great. Um, whether it was, you know, messing around the hotels, going to walk around the stadium, kind of checking out all the little booths and stuff uh, off the field. Um, but on the field, I mean, it was really like no other. That first game against Virginia, it couldn't have really started off any better um, with the walk-off from uh, Luke. Uh, scoring from third was pretty satisfying, seeing everybody kind of run out of the dugouts. Um I'm getting videos from my buddies back home with them watching and all that with all their friends. So all of it was really cool knowing that, you know, we had all Gainesville watching and, you know, all of our families watching as well and friends. Um, but probably just the best thing about it was really just kind of being there. Like, like I said earlier, really just being there with that group um, and knowing what we could do uh, with our side of the bracket. We were like, okay, so we're going to make it to the final and then, you know, we knew it was either going to be LSU or Wake. Um, and obviously it comes down to last game of the year. It doesn't go the way we want it to. Um, and it was a tough one for sure. Uh, it's something, you know, you got to deal with and you got to move on from. But at the end of the day, um, you know, that season alone was just probably the most fun that I've had playing baseball um, with just the group of guys that we had. So, yeah, that's probably my – like all in all experience of Omaha. It was, it was a special team. Like I, I, I've known Neil and I have talked about it before. It was like, you guys didn't win the Natty, which is unfortunate, but like that was still probably one of our favorite Gator teams of any sport we've ever watched. Because like you had those moments where like you had the comeback first Virginia, like, and I, I remember like in that moment before uh, Langford Wyatt hit that home run, that was just an absolute moonshot. And like everybody knew it was gone the moment it hit the bat. Like, there was no quit. There was no fear that you guys were going to lose. And I goes back to what you talked about in the regional round when you went down after that game to Tech. There was just so much fight in the team. And I think that's why every Gator Nation rallied around you all from all corners of, of the country. So certainly uh, was, it was a fun run to watch. I can definitely say that. There we go. Um yeah, so, I mean, as Chris just touched on, definitely, even with the way the season ended, historic season for sure. SEC champs, College World Series trip, only the 13th time it's happened ever at Florida. Um, although that, I mean, relatively speaking, that's a good amount. But still, you play baseball for 125 years, 13 College World Series appearances, every one of them is is precious and special. Um, National Championship Series appearance, only the fourth time ever that that's happened most wins ever in a season. And you personally set the record for the most home runs in a single season in college baseball with the BB core bats. So your career is not over. Obviously you have another season at least, but looking back on that run in 2023, you talk about the friendship, you talk about the brotherhood, you talk about the moments, just messing around in the hotel. 
you talked about the special wins, the moments, what are you most proud of from that team? Um, probably just the way we handled ourselves, um, through the ups and downs of the year. Uh, that was really, you know, everybody held each other accountable. Nobody was afraid to speak up to somebody, no matter really who you were. Um, it was just one of those teams where our expectations were really high and we stuck to them. And whenever somebody would kind of deviate from it, you know, a bunch of the guys would get on you and try to like set you straight and make sure that everybody's on the same plan to get to where we needed to be. Um, and that's probably what I'm most proud of, you know, being able to say that I played with those guys. Um, and yeah, I'm just, you know, very thankful for it. Definitely. Well, let's move on to 2024. Now we got a new season upon us and, you know, there's a lot of new talent on this team, you know, Coach O'Sullivan and his staff continue to recruit great players, also hit the transfer portal, brought in a guy like Brody Donay at catcher, SEC freshman of the year, Coley Shelton, who now comes over from Alabama, now joins the Gators. Uh, but we do lose some talent in Wyatt Langford, who was a top you know, four pick and obviously already tearing it up in the Rangers organization. Uh, we have new starting pitchers. We have we lost BT Rypel behind the plate, who was a huge leader for the team. So. Just talk about who are the biggest shoes to fill and what do you guys got to do to overcome some of those losses so the 2024 team could have similar success as the 2023 team? Yeah, I mean, it kind of really starts with the guys who return from that team uh, that are going to lead the way for the most part. Um, after kind of going through what it takes to get to Omaha and, you know, make it to the last game of the year like we all want to, um, you know, there's not – there's obviously, you know, shoes to fill, you know, Josh gave his all to this program, BT did the same, you know, Colby, Wyatt, um, Sproat, uh, Hurston. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Um, those are guys who helped kind of turn the program around and put it back onto where it needs to be. Um, but looking forward to this year, you know, we have a really big freshman class uh, filled with talent, you know, from A to, a to Z, everybody's, you know, they got their stuff. Um, and like you said, with the portal with Colby and Brody, uh, Jalen Guy, really, you know, the depth is still there, you know. Um, Liam Peterson has really stepped up lately, you know, on the mound, he's done really, really well. Um, so I'm expecting, you know, big things from him. Uh, honestly, the biggest thing is really just to make sure that, you know, as a group, that these freshmen know that they're going to play a big role in all this, um, you know, on the pitching side. Um, they're going to throw a lot more than they think they will. Um, but you know, that's what the preseason's for and kind of getting that through to them is going to be the biggest thing. Um, and having them just kind of go out and attack in these scrimmages and make it as game-like as possible. So that once season starts, you know, you're not trying to figure anything out. Um, but that's probably, you know, the biggest thing, but the talent is, you know, similar to last year. It's unreal. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the thing with Gator baseball. There's always going to be talent there, no matter what the I mean, you, you can change the the names of the players. There's always going to be talent. Um, looking ahead to 2024, um, as, as you touched about, as you touched on a second ago, there's a lot of new talent. While there is a lot of talent departing, there's no reason for Gator fans to be upset about that lost talent because there is so much new talent coming in guys you mentioned like colby shelton from alabama brody donay um tanner garrison another guy that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing 
one guy that I've heard a lot about, Liam Peterson, as you mentioned, uh, just just nasty stuff on the mound. So there are a lot of different ways you could go about this, but if you had to pick one, which new addition to the Gators are you most excited about seeing in 2024? Probably, you know, I'm going to have to go with my plant boy, probably Satin, uh, Robert Satin, just because from the same hometown, you know, another lefty. So I'm excited to see him uh, kind of do his thing. Not to and not to kind of get off some of the questions that we have, but obviously Plant High School, I'm pretty familiar with with that program being here in Tampa myself. They seem to produce a lot of good players in the league. What is it about that program that produces good players? Dennis Braun, man. I mean, he's an old school. He's a hard nosed coach. Um, he knows what you know needs to be done to kind of get you to go to the next level, uh, and he does a really good job of explaining it and kind of sets the examples of how it should look. Um, he's not afraid to jump you when you're messing up by any means. Uh, so that really helped uh, me kind of prepare for like the college scene and all that type of stuff. But yeah, he's he's been great. He's been there for quite a while. He's had you know, countless guys, you know, with Kyle Tucker, Preston Tucker, and Pete Givens, uh, Connor Scott, like the list just goes on. But um, he does a great job, and he's definitely prepared me well for college and so on. I think Wade Boggs went there too, didn't he? Wade, Wade. Yeah, but he wasn't there with my coach. Right, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> there's still the lineage even before him. Yeah. Um. So switching back to the the team itself, can you think of a Gator player? Like we everybody thought about Josh Rivera last year. He seemed to really take a big jump from his 22 to his 23 year. Who was a guy on the team this year you could think make a big jump like that in 2024? No, I think Dale Thomas is on for one. Um, yeah, 100% Dale probably. Interesting. I was going to I was going to I was going to guess that you were going to say Cade Curland. But Dale Thomas definitely not not a bad pick by any means. Yeah, I mean, Cade still had seventeen homers last year, so Cade just needs to keep doing what it's he's true. doing. That's true. That's right. true. He, he did. He did. Um, <laughs> but I mean, hey, you you had almost twice that, so maybe you could say that he would he would double his production too. Um, I mean, you you quadrupled yours, I think, from twenty two to twenty three. So I don't know. Maybe maybe yeah. that would be in the cards for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, as, as we're talking about, a lot of different candidates to to answer that question with. Um, so. Schedule is obviously very tough. Of course it is. It's supposed to be that way. You're in the SEC. Um, on top of that, just by nature, baseball, to me as an outsider, is is very unique in that it is a game of failure. Like if you fail seven times out of 10 at the plate, you're doing a really good job. That's a 300 average. That's really good. And even on the mound, if you throw enough pitches, you throw enough innings, eventually you're going to make a mistake pitch and give up a tank. Like it just happens to the best of them. So, and even Sully like national championship winning coach with eight trips to Omaha forgot how to count to six last year. Like it's going to happen. So as an outsider watching, it seems to be a small component of fundamentals in the game of baseball and a much larger component of just the mentality and the, the intelligence and then just keeping the right mindset. So how do you as, as a player, and you kind of talked about this a little while ago about how the players just never had the panic in them, but how do you as a team keep your heads right throughout a long season? And then does anything change mentality wise? If you're in a slump or if you're coming off a rough outing or two in a row, 
what do you do to get that ship righted? Um, you know, you just know that the sun's going to rise tomorrow. Uh, nothing's going to last for too long. Uh, if you, if you don't let it. So, uh, the biggest thing is really just wrapping yourself up in the team, um, and trying to really just silence all the personal success out of it. You know, um, that was another great thing about last year's team that I hope to kind of bring to this team this year. It's, you know, all your personal stuff's going to get taken care of. Um, you know, the teams as the team's success continues to grow uh, throughout the year. So really just focusing on that, just focusing on the bigger goal rather than getting caught up in, you know, you don't get a hit for a weekend. Um, like me last year, I didn't get a hit it out against Alabama. Um, I didn't really panic. We still won the series. Um, the team was still doing good. So I didn't really have a whole lot to stress about. Um, and that's just kind of the mentality you got to have uh, to – go through a 54 game or 56, whatever it is, regular season, uh, and then carry it over to the postseason. So it seems like there is a lot of the, a lot, a lot of the brotherhood mentality that if I don't do well, my teammates going to pick me up. And if my teammates not going to do well, then I'm going to pick him up sort of checks and balances kind of thing where there, there's enough talent, there's enough accountability on the team that it's going to all be okay and work itself out. So that, which is, I guess, the perfect way to encapsulate that team and, and what we're hoping to see from the 2024 team. So as we start to sort of wrap up our conversation, we thought it would be fun to make some predictions as we always end our preview shows by making predictions and picks. We know if we ask you, we're, you're going to predict Florida to win the national championship because that's the goal. And that should be the goal, but let's get a little more precise and talk about some goals and, and predictions personally and for your teammates. So first question, what pitch of yours do you want to see take the biggest jump from 2023 to 2024? Yeah, probably change up. What do you think you have to do to get it to that next level? I've just been working on it a lot this offseason, so it's been coming along pretty good. Nice. All right, so kind of getting more into the mental aspect uh, that Neil touched on a minute ago, do you have any specific numbers, goals in mind at the plate? I mean, you you smashed a couple of records last year. What are you hoping to do this year to top that? Um, Really just not think that I have to do more than I did last year and try to copy that. I just need to go out there and play. Um just have fun with it, you know, um, no specific numbers. I mean, last year, at the beginning of the year, I was like, if I hit 15 and hit 320, I'll be happy. Um, and, you know, exceeded expectations on that front. So I'll just say the same thing again. So 15 and I hit 320. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still very, very good. It, I mean, it doesn't compare to what you did last year, but that is, I think, kind of spoiling Gator fans. That was that was a record setting season. You hit 15 and 320. That's a very good season at the plate. Um, and you do have to figure that other teams are going to be a little bit more careful when they pitch to you this year. Whereas last year, I don't want to say you were, you were an unknown, but now you're the returning BB core era home run record setter. So I would think that you're going to get a little more um, pitch to a little bit more, more carefully, but um, on that, on that aspect of, of you at the plate, is there anything you're looking to do, differently because obviously you're very successful last year but everyone can always i guess look to improve so is there anything you're looking to change or is it just go out there and do what i did last year and it's all going to take care of itself yeah i mean really just going out there and competing um staying off the low stuff um just seeing the ball up and 
you know, putting a good swing on it. Has there been anything specific that scouts at the next level have said they wanted to see you work on that you've worked on this offseason so you can kind of get ready to take that next level, that next step once your your career's done at Florida? Um I'm just trying to do me, um, to be honest with you. You know, they everybody wants to see something, something different. So, you know, I'm just gonna go out there and play my game and listen to my coaches and do all that type of stuff. Fair enough. What about a, like I said, MVP or standout you think for the Gators this season? I mean, obviously I think people would would peg you, but anybody else that comes to mind as sort of like a guy that could step up and, and really be that, that true most valuable player. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ty's most likely probably going to pick off where he left off in Omaha. um, And he's going to tear it up this year. Um, it's a pretty big list. You know, Mikey's going to hold down center. Curlin's going to do his thing and have another really good year. Um, Shelnut's going to keep being Shelnut and raking for us and really just the whole team. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Ty. That's a good one. Is, yeah, you can't go wrong with that. Um, So I, I'm sure that there's a lot to the brotherhood, the teamwork, um, all that, and holding each other accountable. But talking about – maybe not even numbers, but just on the field results and expectations. Finish the sentence. The, the Gators get back to Omaha and they win the national championship this year if blank. If. Um, everyone stays on the same page. Fair. It, it, perfectly fair. What's something that fans should most be excited about for this team? Um, honestly, for all of it, you know, picking up where we left off last year, um, kind of having that fire that we've all been building up on uh, all off season and through the fall and through spring practices and stuff like that. Probably, you know, just show up to Condren and be ready to watch some really good baseball. I think that's a pretty safe bet, Chris. I think we're going to see some pretty good baseball. Um, I wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. So final question for you, um, sort of put a bow on everything we talked about. The college baseball career of Jack Caglione is ultimately going to be remembered by what? Um. Probably by just pitching and hitting. I mean, I don't I don't really have like a crazy answer. Could have gone with setting records, could have gone with national championship. There's a lot to go with there. <laughs> well, so all right, yeah, we'll we, I, all I can't that, believe yeah. I didn't think to ask this before. What do you think of the nickname Jack Tani and being compared to the Shohei, you know, the Shohei Otani of college baseball, obviously a two-way star in the majors. How how do those comparisons sit with you? How do you feel about that? It's all really cool. I mean, any comparison to him, you know, it's flattering to say the least. But, you know, I'd I'd like to put my spin on it, but he's definitely opened the doors for, you know, guys like me at the next level. So I'm very thankful. And, you know, being able to draw comparisons to him is always, you know, really cool. So Fair enough. Well, Jack, we could not be more thankful for your time today coming on, talking on the all kinds of weather forecasts and giving the fans 
a preview of the upcoming baseball season, some insights into last year's team, and also insights uh, into your game and, and your life as well. So uh, for all the fans out there, uh, we look forward to, to seeing you play this next year and, and certainly wish you the best of luck in the 2024 season and beyond. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. Really enjoyed right. having you. Had a lot of fun talking and uh, hanging out. Hope you did too. And I'll see you soon. I'll be at the, I'll be at the opening series against St. John's and looking forward to seeing you rake and seeing you strike out a lot of batters on the other side. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. it. Well, thank you all for joining us on another episode of, you know, all kinds weather forecast. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure to like and subscribe down below, leave a comment on what you think of the Gators are going to do this upcoming baseball season. And we can't wait to see the Gators take on St. John's next Friday night. In Connor Ballpark, this is the In All Kinds Wheeler Forecast signing off.